title of my message is Whatever We're Not, God Is. Yeah? Come on. Like, I just, I totally believe, and I hear from all these messages, and we have people coming in, and just what we're hearing um, overseas, but throughout New Zealand, is that we're going into revival, you know, keeping up and setting out. But in order for the church to do that, what is the church made up of? Individuals, right? Yeah. yeah. So we, <laughs> we have to step up, and we have to step out. And essentially this morning, we are talking about self-doubt. Yeah, we're all in a bit quiet there. <laughs> but we know that what we say has power, and Tolson's done a whole message on, on um, what we speak has power. And so we are speaking this morning about what we declare over ourselves actually has a lot of power. And we're going to look at certain people throughout the Bible uh, that have given and have walked through this as well. And every time God comes to them or to us, like, oh, no, I know you can do it, God, but I don't think you can use me. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm, I'm too young. I'm too old. I, I have a past. I, I can't do what you're asking me to do. And the truth is, we can't, but he can. Come on. Whatever we're not, he is. Yeah. And I think like, we give the devil far too much credit. He doesn't actually have that much power. But what he is, is he is sneaky, and he is sly, and he puts these little thoughts in our head of self-doubt mm. to stop us yeah. from living out the calling that God's got for us. Yeah. 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 He's, he, people often refer to him like a python, and I've learned reading this book about the spirit of the python, there are pythons, the actual snake, they don't bite you like other poisonous snakes might. They strangle you mm. and take out your breath until you cannot, like, so you're restricted in your movement, and you you die because you don't have breath. And that's exactly what the devil does. Sometimes it's not really, really obvious things he might throw at you, but it's a little thought that restricts your movement. Oh, I, I'm, I can't do what God's asking me to do. <sighs> Come on. We end up focusing on our own abilities and not God's. Yeah. <sighs> So like Moses, we all know um, the story of Moses and how God uh, speaks to him. And so if we all turn to Exodus 3 this morning. So we know that um, Moses, his mum put him in a basket. He uh, ended up taking in the royal family. He grew up there, but then he saw what people were doing to the Israelites, his own people. Uh, and he ended up uh, murdering one of the... Uh, Official, the Hebrew, uh, sorry, the Egyptian officials that um, was mistreating an Israelite people, and so he runs away because people find out about it. He's ashamed. He's done something uh, not great, <laughs> and then many years later, uh, while he's out about, he's become a shepherd. He's looking after sheep. Uh, God appears in a burning bush, and God says to him uh to take off his sandals he's on holy ground he says i am the god of your father and he introduced who he is and then he says to moses so now go i am sending you to pharaoh this is in exodus 3 verse 10. i am sending you to pharaoh to bring my people the israelites out of egypt but moses said to god who am i who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? <laughs> he didn't just think, oh yeah, you're the creator of the world. Yep, you've put all the stars in the sky, and you made me and all the animals. Yep, 
if you're saying, if you've chosen me out of all the billions of people on earth, then I'm going to trust that it's your strength and that you're going to work. It's your power. It gets even better. I mean, I mean, when I read this, okay, I'm just saying that I want to slap Moses someday. You just want to shake him? Because he just keeps having these excuses after excuses after excuses. But when I had this thought, God said, well, and he said, you do the same. <laughs> we do exactly the same. And aren't you guys so, man, I'm just so glad that we have a patient God, yeah? Like, come on. We're well, going to see how patient our God gets. Because then... Moses said to God, oh, I suppose, you know, they don't know who you are when I, you know, so I say I do go and do it right. Everyone might not know who you are, because they might have not seen you for, like, felt you, your presence for a while, we've been with the Egyptians, and so then God explains to him, say, I am who I am, and we keep going, and he, he even talks about exactly what's going to happen. He says, you've got a Pharaoh, but I'm going to harden his heart, I'm going to send plagues, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do miracles. Keeps going, keeps going. We get to chapter 4. And Moses answered, but what if they don't believe me? <laughs> God's literally told him the plan. And he often doesn't do that, right? He just says go. And we're like, okay, we're just going to have to follow in faith because we don't know the full plan yet. He's given the plan. And Moses is like, oh, but what if they don't believe me? Or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you. So then God says, okay. He literally, this time, he's like, maybe Moses is a visual learner, right? Maybe he just needs some visual aids, yeah? <laughs> so he's like, all right, put down your staff. We're going to turn it into a snake. So he does that miracle, turns into a snake, and then he picks it back up, turns into a staff, a piece of wood. And then he says, put your hand in your pocket, and it gets, like, leprosy on it, puts it back in, it's healed. So he's had his visual aids. He's seen what God can do. <laughs> and then... Moses said to the Lord, pardon me, your servant, Lord, I have never been eloquent. I mean, if you're going to use the word eloquent, it must be all right, you know, it's a bit flashy. Neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant, I am slow of speech and tongue. So he's still thinking, like, yeah, I can see what your miracles are, God, but you can't use me. I'm, I'm just not good at what you were saying that I should go do. So then God says to him, who gave human beings their mouths. Come on. He literally gave us our own our mouth. Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. He spelled it out for him. Like, don't worry, I've got this. I'm just using you as my vessel, right? Because I was thinking about, you know, like God doesn't actually have to use us. He created this world and he just he just gave words and everything was created. But he wants to. He doesn't need us, but he wants to use us. Because yeah. if you think about how much glory he can get from using someone who's weak, right? He can get so much glory from using someone that can't speak well. Because it's all God's power. It's not ours. Yeah. And then, still, <laughs> Moses said, oh, I'm still not there, Lord. Pardon your servant but please send someone else. And that's where God gets angry. <laughs> After all his, his words and just letting him know about the plan and giving him even the miracles, the visual aids, everything, and promising he will be there, Moses still, he's still stuck in his own, and uh, what he can do, not focusing on what God can do. The Lord's anger burned against Moses and he said, what about your brother Aaron? I will use him to help you. <laughs> and he says, I will help both of you speak, this is verse 15, 
and will teach you what to do. So she's literally doing it in baby steps. Okay, I'll send you someone else, but you're still going to do it too, and I will help you to both speak. God ends up involving Aaron so he can help speak as well. And after all that, after all Moses' self-doubt, God still wants to use him. He could have been like, all right, this, this, I'm done with this guy. <laughs> I spent far too much time and I, I've done too much. I'm just going to go to the next person. In fact, I might just use Aaron instead of Moses because maybe he's got good speech and he'll just do it. But no, he still used him. And if you think about it, we go right up to Deuteronomy. So we've got Genesis, Exodus, um, excuse me if I get out of order, Numbers, uh, Leviticus, Numbers, and then we get to Deuteronomy. And that's when Moses dies. But he has gone through, he's taken, he used, God's used the plagues to get his people out of Egypt. He, they've crossed the Red Sea, like literally opened a sea. He spent 40 years in the wilderness guiding and leading these people and putting up with their naughtiness and just their complaints and everything. And he even meets God on, mount, on the mountain. Like he gets to meet with God and he even brought the commandments, right? <laughs> and so we get to Deuteronomy. And in Deuteronomy, the very last chapter, 34, verse 10, it says, Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Who did all those signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his officials and to his whole land? For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. And here what he was all this time before saying, no, you can't use me, God. I I'm not good enough. And he's not, but God fills in the rest. Come on. God doesn't need us, but he wants us. You know, I was thinking, uh, I have three young children, seven, five, and three. And uh, when I say cooking dinner, you can all imagine if you're a parent, you know what cooking dinner is like. Like, this is when everyone's been to school and daycare and they're tired and the fighting starts and it's just manic, you know, husband's still at work and you're trying to get this food cooked, but you, you have to keep stopping a hundred times to go and solve, you know, world wars and it's, it's just diabolical sometimes, right? <laughs> and so when I get a little child that comes up to me and says, Mum, can I help with dinner? Oh man, in my head I'm just like, I do not need you to help me cook dinner because I can just think about, you know, the carrots are going to be all wonky and I'm going to have to have a lot of patience. I'm going to have to stop what I'm doing and really train you and teach you how to do certain things. But the thing is, I, as their parent who loves them, I want to use them, right, because it's going to teach them skills later on. It's going to help them later on in life if they know how to cook even us, son, I don't want him just to rely on his wife. <laughs> um, you know, I want to teach them those skills. I wasn't aiming at anyone, guys. <laughs> but I want, even though it's going to require a lot of patience, even though it's going to require me to, to more work and the food might not even look that great in the end and we might not even want to eat it, even though it's harder work, I want to use them because I love them. God, he had to spend a lot of time with Moses, you know? He didn't need to use Moses, but he wanted to because of, he loves us so much and what he's going to do in us and through us. So good. I mean, I'm preaching to myself this morning. Like, this is just so good. 
God's calling on our lives does not depend on our own abilities, but on our obedience. Yeah? So it's just about if God, when he reveals your calling to you, it's just saying yes and stepping out. Yeah? That revival, it starts with us. God equips the one who obeys him. In the end, Moses finally <laughs> did obey God. And so God equipped him with everything he needed. It wasn't Moses who parted the Red Sea, but he used him as his vessel to put that stuff down, and it was God's power that did it. Greek, the, Greek, uh, sorry, the definition of self-doubt is lack of confidence in oneself and one's abilities. The Greek dictionary, which is the original language of the Bible, it defines self-doubt as to be without a way, and it even adds to be embarrassed. You know, a lot of the time, we let fear hold us back. Oh, but I'm not good enough. How am I going to look up here? What's everyone going to think of me? What, what about if you know, God's asking me to do an outreach and it just doesn't go to plan? You know, even Victory was sharing last week about the marketplace and how um, at the start she was obedient, but she just kind of hid in her tent. She was like, how, how can God use me? I'm not an outspoken person. I, I don't feel confident. But God did all the rest. Mm. Victory stepped out in obedience, and Amen. God did it all. Amen. And now he's ministering and working through Victory and what she does. In Ephesians 3 verse 12, it says, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. And God takes our weaknesses and uses them as strength for his glory. My great, in 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9, it says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Amen. If we just look quickly this morning at Gideon. <laughs> Here's another example this morning. In Judges 6. Just flip to Judges 6 now. Um, the Hebrew had, so they're in their promised land, just to give you a quick history. They're in their promised land, but they've been taken over by the Midianites, the enemies, and they're pretty much just run by them. There's lots of oppression going on. Uh, they're worshipping the Midianites' gods, so there's not much of um, Yahweh or uh, our Lord that they're learning about or they're spending time with. And then one day there's a prophet that comes along and he's saying uh, what God is going to say, that he's going to drive them out. Um, I am the Lord your God, and he's saying, do not worship the other gods of these Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. So he's kind of coming down hard on them. And then the angel of the Lord came and sat down under a tree uh, just to... Jo so in Joash's land, he was in, sorry, excuse my, my pronunciation, Abiezerite, and his son Gideon. He was doing the work, and he was freshing wheat in a wine press, and he was hiding it from the Midianites because they were taking all their, their food and their stock and just oppressing them. And so God comes and he says to Gideon, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And Gideon replies, pardon me, my Lord. But if the Lord is with us, so he's saying, well, where have you been, pretty much? Like, we, we can't see you, we can't feel you, we, we're not too sure that you're even around anymore. And then the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Wow. Uh, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replies, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest. So like his village is... His tribe, they're the weakest in Manasseh. And I am the least in my family. So he's looking at where he, he's saying, I, I'm no one. You know, he's the least. 
He, the world won't look at him with respect and honour because he is the least of the tribe and the least in his family. But the Lord replies, I will be with you and I will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. After God made an offering to, uh, sorry, after Gideon made an offering to God, smashed down the idol of Baal, and asked God to show him signs that would prove. So he goes for a series of, um, Lord, I just need you to show me some signs so I really know it's you. So he goes through that. God, you know, very patient again and gives him a few signs to guarantee him that it is God. And then he gave it, God tells him to gather an army together to go and fight this battle against the people that have oppressed them. And what I love is that, you know, Gideon gets, when you get an army, right, you're going to get thousands and thousands and thousands. So he gets his whole big, huge army, and God says, that's too many. Right? Gideon saw less as a witness. God used less as a strength for his glory. And our witness makes us depend on God. Because God said to him, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands, or Israel will boast against me. My own strength has saved me. So he may then get right down, I think it was about 300 people to fight. And so that showed that it was God's glory. Not Gideon's, not the army strength, but it was God. And he uses our weaknesses so that we can depend on him. You know, um, some of you may know that I'm a primary school teacher. I have been since the age of 21. Um, but what you won't know is that when I was three, I didn't talk, which is why I'm making up for it now, right? Um, <laughs> so my parents took me to a speech therapist. And then as I went to school, I needed a lot of help with my learning difficulties, so I struggled with reading, writing, just everything really. Um, got help with reading and my writing, and uh, I have a literacy-minded brain. I do not do maths. Me and numbers are just, we're not friends, but don't like hanging out together. Um, and so I've had a lot of help with my maths and stool to this day. Um, it's, it's something that I do struggle with and I find hard. Um, so as a kid, I never ever considered that I could be a teacher. And I had things spoken over me, you know, as you do from teachers, unfortunately, or other people. And that was just never a, a, a consideration for me. I went to university. I was going to be a journalist. Um, and then I got to the end of my Bachelor of Arts. And God kind of revealed to me that I'm not a competitive person, that I would probably just hand someone the story, be like, yeah, you go write it, I don't do that story. Um, and so everything that I wanted out of journalism was in teaching, working with people, um, different every day, I'm not an office type person. And what has been incredible is that, uh, you know, I get to interviews and they always ask you what your strength is. And I say, well, in terms of the subject, so it's either literacy or numeracy, and say, so actually, it's both. It's literacy because that's where my mind is naturally. But it's numeracy because, because I understand the process of how to get to the answers. You know, my, my dad is an economist. I did not get his brain. Um, and so he, me and him, we always battled at home because he knew the answer, but he could not explain it. It's like trying to teach someone to brush their teeth or something that you know really well. It's really hard to think of the process, right? Because you just do it naturally. And so that has been a real, God's been able to use my weakness, what the world sees as a weakness, my learning difficulties, even these are Erlen lenses, just 
you know, people think that teachers need to know everything, but God has used my weakness to be able to bless and, and help children. And I've even been able to say to kids who are going out for um, extra help, and they just know. You don't tell kids where they are in their, their groups, but you just know. The kids figure out that they're in the lowest group, or they're in the highest group, or where they are in the class. They just figure it out. They're onto it. And um, I've been able to say to some children, once I've built a relationship with them, hey, do you know that actually your teacher did what you do? That I had to have help too? And so if I'm sitting here as your teacher, you can too. And it's just been incredible to see the, the change and their demeanor and their confidence that their own teacher has walked through struggles yeah, come on, so they can be anything that they're called to be. Amen. And so that's all God. Like, that's not me. He's just done um, incredible and still is um, just being able to use um, me and my witness, essentially. And because Gideon stepped forward in faith, trusted God and fixed his eyes on what God sees, the Israelites had victory over the enemy, and during Gideon's lifetime, the land had peace for 40 years. So if we fix our eyes toward heaven, and we will speak God's word and his promises over ourselves. We can no longer let self-doubt, fear, self-sabotage, age hold us back. I'm too young, I'm too old. From stepping out into the calling and plan that God has given us. He has given us free will, so it's our choice whether or not we step into and trust God, leaning on him to take us to the places that he wants us to go for his glory. Now, just quickly, we also have um, Jeremiah, and uh, he, he writes the whole Jeremiah, right? And God comes to him while the, the land is all, um, you know, not doing well again. And he says, Jeremiah, before I formed you, this is one of the most famous verses, right? There's two in the book of Jeremiah. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. <laughs> before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. But Jeremiah says, I don't know how to speak, Lord. I'm too young. <laughs> God just said before he created, when he created the whole world, he already knew the plans that he has for you and you and you and you and you. Well, no, I can't speak. I'm too young. I'm too old. I'm at the end of my life. You, you can't use me, Lord. But God said, do not say, I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. He ends up writing 52 chapters in the Bible and serves God for 40 years, warning his people of an upcoming attack in captivity. When we move forward in faith, God works through us to fulfill his purpose. Amen. And we've been singing about revival, but... It's going to take us. If God reveals his calling to us, instead of saying, oh, no, I'm not good enough. He, he could have chosen anyone, but he knows. He is the God of the universe. He already has it planned. You know, he already has it sorted. So we just have to trust that and, and not uh, think about those faults and not wait for fear to go. Just step out with the yes. Okay? The I am, um, you know, I, me being up here, there's evidence on that. <laughs> you know? You get these, these thoughts in your head. And you're too young. You're not smart enough. There's so many more seasoned Christians in this room. Like, what can you teach them? You know? But that's not God's word. That's the silly devil. 